Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, and I should have said good afternoon because the show today is starting live at 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific time, so just like lunchtime if you're in uh, California or Washington State, Nevada, wherever you're at. We really appreciate you watching or listening to the show. Again, the, these non-live shows or earlier start times, that's not going to be an issue for another month. Uh, you guys know how, how finals go in college it's 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 crazy crazy schedule uh that that will mean issue starting tomorrow so that out of the way we have got an absolutely packed show for you guys tonight patrick peterson goes after kyler murray i'm going to talk about that and what it says about kyler and really the cardinals organization those surrounding him uh in in the second segment also some a report that a tom brady patriots reunion next year has a chance of happening I think it makes no sense, but we'll see what happens. But I'll, I'll give my sort of my take on that later on, as well as Tua Tungavailoa. He's had a great year this year. That's undeniable. But I have been very, very, because uh, uh, you guys know I'm not a big Tua guy, uh, more of a Burrow Herbert guy. I, I've, I've been very, very uh, uh, hesitant to dub him a franchise quarterback because I'm like, oh, well, let's see. He's got a genius a head coach. He's got a, a million weapons everywhere. His next three games. After And I'm, I'm here to tell you on this show, and I'll, I'll detail it later. His next three games will determine, in my eyes, whether he's a franchise quarterback or not. That later in the show. And then, Week 13. Folks, have you seen the Week 13 schedule? Oh, my goodness. It's unbelievable. And we got a good one tonight. It's actually a playoff rematch between two AFC East foes, the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. We've got an absolutely uh, packed show. Uh, let's see. Uh, my man... My man uh, just texted me, said that there's there's no sound on my podcast. That's funny. You, you sure about that? I, th I think whoever, let's see. My man, Philip Chenault, who's a big fan of the show, texted me that there's no sound on my show. Uh, are you sure your, your phone's not muted? My my mic is fine. My mic is fine. Let's let's see. Let's make sure what's going on is okay. Uh should sound good. If, if, Phil, if Phillips watched the show, if you give me a text back, make sure everything's working. Because I can hear myself through here. I've got the mic unmuted uh, on 
on the StreamYard app, which is what I use for the show. And then my blue Yeti microphone is on, and I can hear myself uh, in my ear. This this one doesn't work. This one does. But uh, as long as it's working, as long as it's working, I'm going to go ahead and start the show uh, off with uh, what is really the biggest story in sports right now. As long as we're good. Okay, we, we, we should be good. Um, so, again, crossing my fingers that my sound works. I can, again, I can hear myself in my ear. Hopefully, you guys can hear the show. Uh, again, like, let me know in the comments, uh, text me, whatever you got to do uh, if, if it's not working. But let's get right into it. So, the biggest story in the world of American sports involves America's most well-known athlete, and America's most well-known team. As a matter of fact, the owner of America's team. That would be Jerry Jones. So, uh, the Lakers won last night. They beat the Portland Trail Blazers. By the way, Lakers are 6-2 and two in their last eight games. They're not a contender. But I still hold true to my prediction that they'll make the playoffs. But I was thinking about this. Uh, okay, I pre- appreciate the confirmation, Phil. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, so the sound is working. So let's get into it. Lakers won last night over the Portland Trail Blazers. Okay? And LeBron James was speaking to the media after the game. And after the press conference conference was over, after the the last reporter asked the last question, LeBron had sort of a uh, a question to the media, and I'll go and play that soundbite for you right now. Uh, I got one question for you guys before you guys leave. I was thinking when I was on my way over here, I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo. But when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys were quick to ask us questions about that. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I don't even want you guys to say nothing. When I watched Kyrie talk and he says, I know who I am, but I want to keep the same energy when we're talking about my people and the things that we've been through. And that Jerry Jones photo is one of those moments that our people, black people, have been through in America. And I feel like as a black man, as a black athlete, as someone with power and a platform, when we do something wrong or or something that people don't agree with, it's on every single tabloid, every single news coverage, it's on the bottom ticker, it's asked about every single day. But it seems like to me that the whole Jerry Jones situation photo, and I know it was years and years ago and we all make mistakes. I get it. But it seemed like it's just been buried under like, oh, it happened. Okay, we just we just move on. And I was just kind of disappointed that I haven't received that question from you guys. Appreciate it. So that was LeBron's thoughts on uh, the entire Jerry Jones situation. For those of you that are not aware, there was a story published in the Washington Post, I believe. want to give uh, uh, credit to whoever put the story out. And uh, it was talking about how uh, – it was talking about Jerry Jones' sort of history with, with race in regards to him. He's never hired a black coach. Now, we'll say this. The Dallas Cowboys are not the only team to never hire a black coach. There's other teams who have committed uh, that uh, sin, if you will. Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, there's plenty of teams that have not done that. 
This is why I say we got to change the Rooney rule because it doesn't work. We got to find something else. I don't know what the other alternative is, especially when you have certain people in positions of power as the owners of the league, but that's another discussion for another show. But for those of you that haven't seen, uh, sorry for the podcast audience uh, listening, but here's the photo. Okay, you see, and, and the photo, by the way, for context, for those of you that, that are not aware, it's of six uh, Arkansas students on the first day of school in 1957 trying to uh, get into school. And you see there's uh, white counter-protesters right there. And if you zoom in, you can see a young, apparently 14-year-old Jerry Jones right there. You see him right there. It certainly looks like the 14-year-old version uh, of himself. And uh, again, not allowing black kids to enter the school uh, when it was desegregated. So first of all, there's a lot to address here. And I want to get to sort of LeBron's bigger point, which I think is, is spot on. But about the Jerry Jones situation by itself, I've heard there's there's a million takes on it, right? Some are saying, oh, it's cancel culture. It was 1957. Others are saying, you know, Jerry's racist. I think I think we got to look at it from a nuanced perspective. So the photo by itself, let's talk about the photo specifically, and then we'll get into sort of Jerry as an individual. The photo specifically has him in the picture. Jerry himself, when asked about it last week, was talking about he was curious seeing what was going on. He said he was at the, I think he said, quote, that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't know what Jerry Jones' involvement in that was. So I'm not going to speak to whether or not he was involved in the counter-protest or if he just so happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time in that photo. No idea. Here's what I do know. Jerry Jones has been asked about it. He never once condemned what was going on in that photo. Not necessarily condemning himself. Not necessarily saying, you know, uh, uh, if you will, K to the cancel culture or whatever you, you might want to you know refer to that as. This is what he said, and I quote, Nobody there had any idea, frankly, what was going on to take place. You didn't. We didn't have all. Uh, we didn't have all the last seventy years of reference and all the things that were going. You didn't have a reference point there. But still, I've got a habit of of sticking this nose right place at the wrong time. And uh, he he went on to say, "Let's see, uh, what is he? Have? Okay, I wouldn't have dug that." And he was asked any regrets about the photo or you being there. He said, Cole, I, have, I wouldn't have dug that up for sure. Seriously, I got criticized because I was more interested in how I was going to get punished by my coaches for being up front. So basically saying uh, he's been more worried about in the past his career for, be, for you know, being criticized by coaches because he's such a, a, a boisterous owner. And as I talked about many times in the show, as everybody knows, no owner in the world of professional sports is more outspoken than one Gerald Wayne Jones. Which is why anytime, look at his history. 2020, George Floyd, 2017, Colin Kaepernick. When you look at Jerry's history, he talks about everything. Football-related and non-football-related. When the topic of race comes up, he's nowhere to be found. And you say, well, what if Jerry's in a position where it's like, he's, he's an 80-year-old man from Arkansas, from the South, grew up, in, in, you know, as obviously evidenced by that photo, grew up in the, the Jim Crow South and all the atrocities that went on at that time. Maybe considering his upbringing, he's scared to say something that would perceive him as racist. Or he's, he's scared to say something that would get him quote-unquote canceled. Well, first of all, 
I don't think Jerry Jones should be worried about losing a whole lot. He's worth $11 billion. His team is the most uh, um, a valuable sports franchise in the world, the Dallas Cowboys. The most recognized and most watched sports franchise in the world, as evidenced by last week. They play the New York Giants, the most highest, the highest rated game in the regular season in NFL history. So people, people, people turn on their televisions or on their phones or whatever, they watch the Dallas Cowboys. It all speaks, and this, by the way, folks, is where we got to get better in terms of the cancel culture society we live in. What is your intention? I don't know what Jerry Jones' intention is because he hasn't said anything about it. And it goes back, sort of circling back to what LeBron was saying, talking about when Kyrie Irving said what he said, promoting the, the, the anti-Semitic film, everybody was all over him, right? And he was asked to condemn anti-Semitism. This is not LeBron's words. These are mine. He did not. Remember, he was asked by the media multiple times, do you uh, denounce or condemn anti-Semitism? And he refused to answer the question. That's why he was suspended. And, of course, it came out a few days later. He had to fill, fulfill a lot of uh, requirements, talk to the Anti-Defamation League, donate money, blah, 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 before he could come back from a suspension. Okay? But I know a lot of people have also talked about how LeBron, you know, Oh, he's just trying to be the center of attention again, right? You know, he's always trying to cause drama. I adamantly disagree. Anytime something major in, in, in American society that relates to sports happens, LeBron is always asked about it. He, I mean, when, again, when Colin Kaepernick, he was asked about Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick's an NFL player. Why are they asking LeBron that? Because they want to hear LeBron's voice on it because he's been outspoken about certain issues. And so LeBron is well within, within bounds to say, why aren't y'all asking me about this? And to get to sort of LeBron's bigger point. When we talk about keeping that same injury, I, I know uh, 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 Stephen A. Smith, he has a saying that when, when white folks catch a cold, black folks catch pneumonia, essentially saying, if a white person, a black person commit the same crime. And this is evidence in our justice system historically, but be that as it may. Kyrie Irving promotes an anti-Semitic film. Did Kyrie Irving say anti anything anti-Semitic? No, but he promoted a film that denies the Holocaust, essentially praises Hitler. Like that's that's a problem. Like he should have been suspended. I was I was on the show time and time again. <laughs> the Nets should suspension should suspend him and at the time I said I think this should be their way to try and get rid of him because he's not his play has never been conducive to winning. Jerry Jones did not say anything racist in this instance. However, similar to Kyrie, he's had the opportunity numerous times to condemn racism, to condemn uh, the police brutality of, of unarmed African Americans. He has not. His players have any time that there's been a major social justice sort of uh, uh, event or brutalization, whether it be George Floyd, whether it be Tamir Rice, whether it be anybody, it's always been Dallas Cowboys players. Go look at their social media. It's always been Cowboys players, and even in some cases, some coaches who have come out and 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 condemned whatever has gone on. Jerry rarely does. And so, again, bottom line, should Jerry Jones be crucified in the media for simply being in a photo as a teenager? 
No, he should not. However, if you want to go at Jerry Jones because you say, hey, there's some sketchy stuff there, that's not what you're, you should be looking at. Look how he handled the Anthem situation poorly. Look how he handled the summer of 2020 poorly. And look how he's handling this situation poorly. Not to mention, again, folks, he's been the owner of the Dallas Cowboys since 1989. How many coaches has he had? Five, six, seven, seven-ish coaches, I think. I think because it's, it's, it was uh, Jimmy Johnson and, uh, oh, crap, what's the other guy's name? Uh, uh, I'm blank on the guy's name who won the second Super Bowl with the Cowboys. He's he's he's, he's, come, he's off my mind for whatever reason. Okay, he has some Wade Phillips in there. He had some Jason Garrett. He had some Chan Gailey's. Now you obviously Mike McCarthy. Never given that opportunity. That's why the Rooney Rule was first instituted. If you again, I was I'm, I've been reading this book. It's called uh, Playmakers. It's it's a book by Mike Florio about the NFL and why it works and why it doesn't work. Okay, and. There's an excerpt in that book that talks about some of Jerry Jones' hiring processes is part of the reason that the Rooney Rule even exists. Jerry Jones individually, not other owners. Jerry. So I don't think this situation, the photo individually, should be what people are going at. It's the other things, even in recent years. Do I think Jerry Jones is a racist? If some, if you ask me right now, do you think Jerry Jones is a racist? My answer to you would be, I don't know. And of those who say, well, he plays black players, right? Dak Prescott makes forty million, and Demarcus Lawrence is well paid, and and so is uh, you know Tyron Smith, and there's so many other guys make big big bucks from this guy. A lot of former players you have. Yeah, duh, because he, Jerry Jones is in the business of winning football games. And Jerry Jones' MO has always been, if it affects the bottom line, F it, essentially. Again, he told his players. And again, whether I've, I've always been consistent on this, on the Kaepernick situation, whether you agree or disagree with his method of protesting, kneeling during the national anthem, whether you agree or disagree with it, that is, that's, God bless you. That's your personal opinion. I've got mine. You've got yours. Everybody's got theirs. However, if you agree, I'm sorry, disagree with his right or others players, other players right to do that. That's a problem. Jerry Jones is one of those people. He said, if you ever so think about protesting, you will not play. So if he's not going to listen to players about the issue, as has been documented numerous times, if his hiring processes are questionable, so hiring practices, I should say, hiring practices are questionable, is it outlandish for LeBron James to come out and say, why, why aren't we talking about this much? Just throwing that out there. I think LeBron is well within his bounds. And again... No owner, and you guys know this to be true. It ain't even close. No owner in professional sports talks as much as Jerry Jones. None. But when race comes up, crickets. Should we cancel him over the photo? No. Because we don't know his involvement with the situation. We don't know. 
Now, like if he were like throwing stuff at people or he, if he was caught like on camera or video or if there was like an audio tape of him using uh, racial slurs or spitting up, that'd be different. We don't know. Just by that one photo, I can't really make much of an assumption except for the fact that Jerry Jones was there. Accident? Don't know. Probably not because Jerry Jones said himself he was a curious kid and is wrong place, wrong time. All I'm saying is when we talk about the when we talk about sort of the uh, 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 scope of Jerry's history, I'd be remiss to say if it wasn't shady at the at best. I'll leave it at that. Uh, uh, Jerry Jones, uh, Barry Grant Jr. says cancer culture. I know Barry actually uh, on his show, the All Even Podcast. Please go check that show out uh, on the grid, by the way. And on Barry's channel, he said cancer culture. And, and again, I agree with you, Barry, in the sense that people are coming at it from the wrong standpoint. Some people, not all people, but some people are coming at it from the wrong standpoint. In terms of condemning Jerry for the photo. Again, that was 65 years ago, which, by the way, is not ancient history as some people will try and portray it to be. It is not fair to simply look at that photo and say, Though that picture is 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 representative of Jerry Jones' views today, sixty, I can't, man, people change their minds in a week. Okay, sixty five years. That's that's hard to do. It's, it's it, matter of fact, it's impossible to do. But what LeBron is saying, the bigger picture, what LeBron's saying is, when a black person gets in trouble, as LeBron himself said verbatim, it's on its front page on every news. Every, every news network and newspaper and whatnot, it, every article, people are covering it. With Jerry, it's the Washington Post story. He's asked about it briefly, and that's it. I'm simply asking. Consistency. I said the same thing, by the way, when Kyrie Irving got in trouble. I said, you cannot say that you stand. You cannot say that you stand with one community, but you're eh on another. In terms of marginalized communities, people groups, whether that be uh, black people, whether it be Jews, Asians, uh, the Latino community, women, the LGBTQ community. Okay. You can't say you're all for the rights of one and completely ignore the other or one of the others. You can't. Again, and I'm not saying this just because I'm, I've been a uh, massive critic of Jerry. And I do not believe he should be canceled. But I don't think it's outlandish to say, do you condemn racism? Because you haven't to this point. Other owners have. Commissioner of the NFL has. Other owners of other sports have. Are you above doing that, Mr. Jones? I will leave it at that. But props, once again, one of the better... Uh, athletes that we have in the in, in the modern era, in terms of handling this, these issues. Listen, there there are some athletes, and not not I'm not throwing out any names, but there are some athletes that, frankly, put are not not necessarily not equipped, but aren't as eloquent as LeBron James in these issues. Whenever something like this happens, so the NBA is highly lucky to have a guy who is highly educated, very well read. And very well spoken about 
what's going on. Barry says, I agree. Uh, I agree. It should be consistent all around in regards to coverage. However, I don't agree. Jerry needs to come out and say he's not racist. I'm not saying Jerry needs to say he's not racist. I'm saying he needs to condemn racism, just like they asked Kyrie Irving to condemn anti-Semitism. And that's what LeBron was talking about. He's like, hey, you, you, guys, you guys asked him. Why don't you ask Jerry? Yeah, again, because, and I will say the same thing about Kyrie Irving. Because Kyrie Irving uh, uh, passed on the opportunity, the first opportunity, never get a second chance at a first impression, to condemn anti-Semitism, he, did he didn't condemn it until he was suspended, which, you know, how many, how many times do people get in trouble? Then they apologize. Happens all the time. Then he condemns it. So if you ask me, you think Kyrie Irving's anti-Semitic? Oh, I don't know. I can't say with all confidence, oh gosh, yeah, he's absolutely anti-Semitic. But I can't say, no, he's not anti-Semitic. I, I, I can't definitively say yes or no. Same thing with Jerry. Moving on now to sports. It's what you guys came here to this, this show to listen to. Uh... Man, it's, it's it's crazy. I've never been a big Kyler fan in terms of how he handles himself off the field. Uh, that was actually one of my concerns about him. I didn't have a show back then, but it was one of my concerns uh, back in 2019 when he was coming out of Oklahoma, entering the, the NFL draft. But what I think is interesting is there's a lot of situations where players, whether it be uh, anonymous teammates or whether it be, in this case, Patrick Peterson, former teammates, coming out and criticizing one Kyler Murray. Anytime it happens, do you ever hear the organization defending him? I mean, even when the, the whole situation with this contract, remember we signed that big contract and there was that whole, whole thing about him uh, watching film and regulating how much film he watches? Cardinals, the Cardinals nor his teammates really uh, backed him up on it. Even on, on the sideline, which I always say the sideline is the telltale uh, uh, sign about how a quarterback is perceived within the organization and with, within the locker room. You see Russell Wilson sitting by himself on the sidelines? should tell you something. Same with Aaron Rodgers, same with Jay Cutler, same with Kyla Murray. You see anytime he is interacting with somebody in the sideline, he's usually cussing them out. Or they're usually just uh, going in a back and forth uh, spat with one another. Patrick Peterson. Did not hold back. Now, Patrick Peterson's a veteran. He is in his 12th year in the NFL. He's in his, I think, second year with the Minnesota Vikings, playing pretty well uh, on what is a pretty bad defense, I must say. But uh, he was asked about Kyla Murray. Let's see, do, do, I, do I have the, the quote here? Okay. His quote simply said, Kyla Murray don't care about nobody but Kyla Murray. Now, Kyler went on to respond, uh, talking about basically keep my name out of your mouth, so to speak, talking about Patrick Peterson. He said, quote, this isn't true. You want some weird, you know what? You got my number. If you really feel like this is a big bro or a mentor move, you're supposed to call me and tell me, not, dra not drag me so your so-called podcast can grow. Okay? So Kyler had took issue to it. You know, he has every right to respond. We understand that. But, uh... And Barry says, yo, I don't think they like him very much. No, no, I, I think that is a very safe assumption to make. <laughs> I will tell you this. The Cardinals, and I said this over the summer when the contract negotiation was going on. 
I said, man, the Cardinals are trapped right now. They are in a bad situation because the Cardinals have never had a young quarterback. I'm not talking about quarterback. I said young quarterback as talented as Kyler Murray. In the last decade and a half, they'd have had two quarterbacks highly productive, Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer. But both were veterans. Both were free agent pickups. Kyler was like, oh, my gosh, we got this generational talent out of Oklahoma. Oh, gosh, but his intangibles kind of suck, right? When it came time to give him a contract, and a lot of people were saying either pay him or he can't pay him because uh, he's kind of a locker room cancer and doesn't really galvanize anybody uh, within those, those walls in Arizona. I said, man, they are stuck <laughs> because if they don't pay him, they're screwed, okay? They're going to go right back to being the same old bad Arizona Cardinals that they were before Kyler and before, you know, Kurt Warner. They're going to stink, okay? They're not that well-run of an organization, to be completely honest with you. But if they pay him, you're going to have situations like Sunday where after a loss, he says, Our, uh, we're schematically effed. Just a total dig at the coaching staff. You're going to have a situation where he's dog-cussing teammates on the sideline. Even DeAndre Hopkins, one of the most mild-mannered wide receivers in football. Even he, after a while, was like, man, I'm sick and tired of this dude. So, <laughs> Arizona made their bed. They're going to have to lay in it. This is going to become the norm for the entire duration of Kyler's contract or whenever they, you know, if they decide to move on from him and, and, and maybe trade him for another franchise quarterback, maybe. But this is the reality of Arizona. When you have a guy who is extremely uh, uh, talented, again, rocking arm, fairly accurate, more accurate than most, obviously a, a superstar athlete. I mean, he was drafted, I think, seventh overall, if I'm not mistaken, by the Oakland A's to play Major League Baseball. He decided to go play football. I think that was the right decision to make, considering his contract. A remarkable talent. But on the field, he's a little fragile. He's had some injuries. A lot of that's because he is five, um, what are we giving, five nine, five ten, maybe, in cleats. And then off the field and in the locker room, man, he's difficult to get along with. I remember hearing a source Tell, uh, I think it was Colin Coward, a source from the Arizona Cardinals, a high-ranking official reportedly, saying, man, it's something every day with this guy. He is a lot to deal with. He's kind of a diva, if you will. He's Zach Wilson, but significantly more talented. I promise you, had the Cardinals not extended this guy, he'd either be on the bench for Colt McCoy, who is a definitely a backup quarterback in the NFL. He's no threat to take Kyler Murray's job like Mike White is with Zach Wilson, but just to make a statement to Kyler like the Jets trying to make with Zach. I'm just telling you right now, the Cardinals are in some you-know-what right now. They'll move on from Cliff Kingsbury after the season. Again, I think it's very similar to the, to the Denver Broncos situation, which Kyler's played this better this year than Russell Wilson. Just about everybody this year has played better than Russell Wilson. But the coach says they're blame. Nathaniel Hackett's clueless. Okay, Cliff Kingsbury, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the clueless category with guys like Hackett, uh, McDaniel's, Staley. I wouldn't put him in that group. But he has shown a tendency, and it, same thing back to his days at Texas Tech. His teams get off to hot starts, and by the, the end of the season, everybody's figured them out, and they tumble. You could arguably put him in the Matt LaFleur group. Now, Matt's obviously had more success in large part because he has one of the 10 greatest quarterbacks of all time. 
But now that Aaron Rodgers has regressed as a quarterback, now that the receiving core is not close to what it was when Matt LaFleur arrived, now that the defense is beat up, all of a sudden the Packers are 4-8, and eight, which is the exact same record of the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury and Matt LaFleur are kind of the same guy. You know, young, perceived as genius, despite not much evidence to prove that. Talented quarterbacks getting to the playoffs, but underachieving once they get there. But Patrick Peterson saying this, folks, Patrick Peterson is not a guy who just goes and disses players. That's that's not what he that's not his brand. He's not, you know, remember, was it was it Jalen Ramsey, I think it was, who years ago he had a great first or second season and he dissed like every quarterback in the NFL. Remember that? That's not Patrick Peterson's brand. He's not like a a talkative trash talk type corner. Like 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 a Richard Sherman, for example. Like Richard Sherman would talk to anybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's, that's not really Patrick Peterson's brand. So for him to say this, about a guy who's not even on his own team, Kyler don't care about nobody but Kyler. Ugh. Speaks volumes, and to this point, checking my phone, still don't see any defense from Cardinals teammates. I'm just leaving. I'm, I'm just. I'm just saying. It's. It is at least. It is at least worth mentioning that not a single Cardinals executive, Cliff Kingsbury, nor any of the Cardinals players, have come out like, man, this is just false. This is BS. I'm just saying, when nobody defends you, that's when you know you've lost them. And that's exactly the situation right now with the Cardinals. Now, a quarterback you know, now, you know, the quarterback I'm about to talk about is almost like the opposite of Kyler and has certainly been far more productive this season. Is a guy in Tua Tungavailoa who is really good intangibly. Okay, he's a good leader. The locker room likes him. He's very coachable. Uh, Mike McDaniel's gotten the most out of him without a question. I mean, if you, if you told me the Dolphins would be 7 are they seven and three, eight and three? I think they're eight and three this season. You'd have been like, man, that's that's outstanding. But talent-wise, between Tua and Kyler, it's not close. Kyler's got the bigger arm. He's more athletic. He moves better in the pocket. Okay. He can play from behind. Tua, you're not quite sure. Outside of the Ravens game, of course. But it's kind of like what I said about Burrow, because you guys know it wasn't really the only quarterback out of the 2020 draft that I was like loved, that I loved was Justin Herbert. I think I've been proven right on Justin Herbert. He's a remarkable talent and has been highly productive in the NFL. Burrow and Tua, for different reasons that I don't have time to get into today, I was skeptical on. But with Burrow, about midseason last year, I'm like, I think it was after they played the Ravens. It was like, okay, I was wrong. Like This this guy's just amazing. He's, he's amazing. Okay, his report with Jamar Chase is phenomenal. I don't think Zach Taylor's all that great of a head coach, and he's still having him in position to make the playoffs. Of course, the Bengals ended up coming within two minutes of winning the Super Bowl. Doing what he did behind the worst offensive line in football a year ago. It was remarkable what Joe Burrow pulled off. The same will happen, on my opinion, with Tua. Should he play well in the next three games, or even two of the next three games? 
Why the next three games, you ask? Bryson, is they're set, they're eight and three. They're the two seed in the AFC behind Kansas City. Still absolutely have a shot to possibly catch the Chiefs. Their three-game slate. At 49ers this weekend. At the Chargers, which is a Tua versus Herbert. There's a big Tua-Herbert discussion. I think it's ridiculous. I think Herbert is far and away the better talent in this league and has been more productive, more consistently than Tua, with less to work with and in a tougher division. But you got Tua versus Herbert, and then the third game, at Buffalo. At Buffalo. So you play Buffalo in week three. That's cool. But the weather was on your side. Heck, even the way the sun was coming into Hard Rock Stadium, that was on your side because it was like, you know, right on the on, on the Buffalo Bills. They were having to get umbrellas to keep the players cool, right? Whereas the Dolphins sideline was shaded. So you even got the weather break. Now Buffalo, what will be, December 18th? It might snow. I can tell you for a fact it's going to be windy and cold. And it's a Bills defense that, while it's missing Von Miller, they got Tredavious White back. So that's a Bills defense that is no joke. Can you go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen in Josh Allen's building in Josh Allen's kind of conditions? But back to the 49ers, folks. I don't know if you knew this or not. The San Francisco 49ers have shut out their opponents in the second half in their last four games. They are beating their opponents in the second half in the last four games, 57 to nothing. Tua beats that. Which, by the way, I've said religiously on this show, this year, Niners are the best team in the NFL. Top to bottom, that is the best roster in football. Again, you know my only concern is with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like, if they rely on Jimmy to win games, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, if I'm a Niners fan, I'm nervous. Because I, you, you guys know I think about Kyle Shannon. I think he's a brilliant head coach, brilliant play caller. Okay, Every running back that ends up with the 49ers is amazing. Has a 100-yard game every week. Okay? If he goes to San, to San Francisco, by the way, and beats that defense, that's going to be highly impressive, especially with the fact that Miami's offensive line, while it has improved from the last couple of years, it has still struggled. Then the following week, can he outduel the guy who was drafted the following pick that he was drafted, Justin Herbert? A guy who we know was the 2020 Offensive Rookie of the Year. A guy who is putting up some of the greatest numbers in the history of NFL quarterback play for a guy in his first two or three NFL seasons, putting up Manning numbers, luck numbers. It's remarkable what this guy's pulling off. Again, with a significantly below average head coach of Brandon Staley. We know when a tough decision's got to be made, you do not want Brandon Staley. As evidenced by the last game of the season last year against the Las Vegas Raiders, and in many situations this season. Look at the Kansas, actually look at both Kansas City games in the second half. And then at Buffalo. Now we know about cold weather cities. Chicago's, Buffalo's, Green Bay's. You want, and this is why Aaron Rodgers was so productive. This is why Favre was so productive. Strong arm quarterbacks where the wind doesn't really affect them all that much near what it does for other quarterbacks with marginal arms. Can you go beat Josh Allen in Josh Allen's house with Josh Allen's conditions? Because you... Could be Josh Allen in your house with conditions favoring you. Heck, with the sun favoring you, if we're being honest. We will see. We will see. If Tua plays well in two of these three games, let's say he loses to the Niners, but outguns Herbert, 
and sweeps Josh Allen, who is, in my eyes, the second or third best quarterback in football. You got me. I'm in on Tua. I'm in. I'm like, if you can handle this and play well, you got me. Because there's other great quarterbacks who have tremendous weapons. Again, Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, you know, Dawson Knox. Really the issue with the, the Bills, they don't have a running game, but that's, you know, that's it's not what Josh Allen's weapons, though. It's, that's not the issue. Okay? You know, if you look at the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, now some of that is what Mahomes and Andy Reid are doing with good players, but not special. Outside of Travis Kelsey, of course. He's, he's, he's remarkable. Okay? If you look at teams like Philadelphia, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Dallas Goddard, like, weapons galore. Minnesota, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, T.J. Hawkinson, the running game with Dalvin Cook. Like, there's plenty of good quarterbacks with great weapons. But can you prove when your back is against the wall, when you're not favored, when you're not playing one-win Houston, okay, or a three-win Cleveland, or three-win Chicago, or Detroit, can you win this game? A game that you will not be favored to win. As a matter of fact, the Niners are four-point favorites. You will not be favored later down the road to beat the Buffalo Bills. Most people believe, including myself, Justin Herbert is better than Tua. Can he stand up to the pressure and handle it? If he does, I will officially admit on the show on December 19th, 18 days from now, I was wrong on Tua. If he does not, though, I'll be vindicated. But we'll see. I'm always, listen, I always say, I always go by the Bill Parcells rule on quarterbacks. Give him three years. If by year three you're still not sure, you need, need to move on. Tua succeeds. This is year three for him. We know the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs. They're eight and three. It would take a monumental collapse to miss the playoffs if you're the Miami Dolphins. He plays well in the stretch. I'm in. I'm in. Just like I was in Burrow last year. Just like, by the way, it took me a month. And I was like, I'm out on the Denver Broncos. I know I picked him to win the Super Bowl. I'm out. And I'm out on Russell Wilson. But until that point, I'm going to stay right where I'm at with Tua Tsunga Bailoa. Because if he doesn't play well, then it will go back to what I've been saying. Like, okay, he's got like literally some of the best weapons of the league. He's got a really good defense. And Mike McDaniels proved himself to be a pretty darn good head coach. He's a little corny, a little cheesy. Uh, wasn't a fan of the hire when it happened. He's proved himself to be a pretty good head coach. He's a play caller. He's gotten the best out of Tua. Isn't that the coach's job? Get the best out of your quarterbacks. Get the best out of your playmakers, especially if you are uh, Mike McDaniel and you're an offensive coach. That's your job, and he succeeded at his job. Tua has that to work with. What about when his back's against the wall? That's when we'll find out. But we'll see. Again, folks, the Week 13 schedule is insane. It So you got Bill's Patriots tonight, which I'm going to predict at the end of the show. Okay, you look down the list. Jets-Vikings, okay, this is Mike White's second start, and he's got to go to a big, bad 9-2 Minnesota. And then you got the Vikings, obviously, who they're 9-2, but more people than not do not buy into them at all. Okay, if they win, they will clinch the NFC North in week 13 with a whole month left in the season. That's how dominant they've been. And in fairness, that's how bad their division has been. But that's a great, great matchup. Commanders-Giants. Two, if you'd have told me the Commanders-Giants would have seven wins at this point in the season, I'd be like, you're crazy. 
But this is a huge matchup in terms of wild card standings. Like, in all likelihood, the winner of this game is almost guaranteed to get in the playoffs given the two team schedules. If not, it's going to be a little bit of an uphill climb, especially for Washington because obviously both teams have seven wins, but Washington has five losses as opposed to the Giants having four. Okay, Titans-Eagles. This is just the early window, folks. Titans-Eagles. I'm not sold on Philadelphia as a team that's going to win a playoff game, as I've detailed on on uh, Monday's show and in the last few weeks. So they can't stop the run. I question whether they can play from behind. And I, I've bought into Jalen Hurts, but last time I saw him in the playoffs, it was really bad. And I don't think Nick Sirianni is that guy in, in terms of decision-making either. But you got a Titans team coming in. What's their strength offensively? Derrick Henry. Okay, they'll run it right down your throat. The question is, again, the Titans are sort of a lesser version of the 49ers. It's Ryan Tannehill don't screw it up, essentially. Because the defense has been playing well. The O-line, beat up as it, as it may be, has done a really good job. Derrick Henry's had another Derrick Henry-type season. Can they go to Philadelphia and win? That's a great matchup. Okay, look further down the list. You got the whole story of Deshaun's return. Deshaun Watson coming back from 11-game suspension. And where is he playing? You guessed it, at the Houston Texans. So that's going to be like a, I mean, that, that, that exceeds football. That's going to be a national media story about how he plays. He By Sunday, he'll have not played an NFL game in 700 days. So is the rust going to be there? Uh, you know, again, Houston's not a very good football team. They're, quite frankly, the worst team in the league. I'm telling you, it's... Uh, again, Dolphins, Niners, like I mentioned. You got Chiefs, Bengals. Then you got uh, Colts, Cowboys, Saints, Buccaneers. Man, the Week 13 schedule, folks, is amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch this weekend. And we got Championship Weekend in college football. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's outstanding. By the way, Alabama got robbed out of being the number five team. Okay, they're better than Ohio State. Stop. I didn't want to get in that discussion today. I didn't have time to discuss that today. Maybe I'll get more in depth tomorrow. Which, by the way, speaking of college football, we did have breaking news today that the playoff will be extending to 12 teams uh, starting in the 2024 season. So I think they showed, if I could pull it up here, what the bracket would be it right now if there were a 12-team playoff. Uh, because there's some interesting matchups in there. Uh, okay, here's the bracket. So the top four teams, essentially how the bracket would go, the top four teams as it stands right now all get a bye. So Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, they all advance. They automatic advancement first round by. But some of the matchups, you'd have 9 seed Clemson versus 8 seed Penn State. I'd probably favor Clemson, but that'd be an interesting matchup. Okay, you got 5th ranked Ohio State versus 12th ranked Tulane. Ohio State probably wins in a landslide, but who knows. You got the 10th uh, 10 seed uh, Kansas State Wildcats taking on my 7 seed Tennessee Volunteers. You know I got the balls all day in that one. And then you'd have six seed Alabama versus eleven seed Utah. And like I said, I have always been opposed to the twelve team playoff uh, ever since the show started because I'm like, man, the number four team can't compete with the number one team. You tell me the twelfth ranked team can. But again, evolving positions, kind of like what I was talking about too. Evolving positions as things change, as, as information changes, my opinion is going to change. Now that NILs come in. Now that you've got Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC, now that you've got, I think the is it the Big Twelve that's going to be changing a little bit? I think the, I think Cincinnati's going to be the Big Twelve now, like because of the conference realignment, because of NIL. So now these these sort of these, these universities that five years ago wouldn't have had a chance at some of these 
uh, highly touted prospects. Well, now, or recruits, I should say, not prospects, not the NFL, recruits. Now they got a shot. And so it's changed, it's changed the whole landscape. So now I think you kind of have to have a 12-team playoff. And the landscape of college football, even in 2024, is going to look very different than it did or than it does now. So because of the changes, I'm all for it. And by the way, it's not just so my balls can get in, okay? Because I'll tell you right now, if my balls got in, if that if it was a 12-team playoff now and my balls were in right now as a seven seed, we would beat Kansas State and then we would get absolutely slaughtered by Michigan. I'm just here to tell you right now, Michigan, in my opinion, is the only team that I believe can beat Georgia. Okay? T stop. TCU. They're in dogfights with Baylor. Okay? They're in close games with Oklahoma and Kansas. You're telling me they can handle Georgia? Okay? Georgia beat Oregon, who, by the way, kind of tailed off at the end of the season. I get that. But Georgia beat Oregon by 46 points. They beat seventh-ranked Tennessee, healthy, by the way, 27-13. And trust me, Trust me, as a Vols fan, the score was not that close. Or, the, sorry, the game wasn't as close as the score might lead you to, to believe. Okay? USC, yes, they had the best quarterback in the country. I, 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 and, and by the way, the best offensive coach of the country. I'll give you that. We thought the Vols did as well. And look how that turned out. So I'm just, just throwing that out there. Throwing that out there. Oh, I just got a text from my, my dad, who's a huge Tennessee fan, of course. He said, you have lost your mind. Take that back. Tennessee beats Michigan. Ain't no way. The way they can run the football, which, listen, I, I have been, uh, some Vols fans have kind of been hit me up like, well, Tennessee's strength defensively. They can stop the run. Fair enough. They could stop Spencer Rattler, who coming into that game, South Carolina had eight touchdowns, nine picks. And I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, again, changing positions. J.J. McCarthy's better than Spencer Rattler. Is he more talented? Probably not. But in terms of productivity, he's been better than Spencer Rattler in his college career, and certainly this season. We can't just take a two-game sample size with Spencer Rattler and say that he's better than J.J. McCarthy. I mean, he played big boy football against Ohio State, made all the throws that he needed to, okay? When the running game went Ohio State for the first court, two and a half quarters was doing a good job stopping the run, J.J. McCarthy was getting him out of third and long situations. Uh, again, when they're trailing, making big throws. Uh, and eventually Michigan obviously pulled away with the running game. But J.J. McCarthy set them up in position to do that. Now, nah, Tennessee ain't beating. Tennessee ain't beating Michigan. Michigan is exactly where they're ranked. They are absolutely the second best team in the country. I'm not saying I'll predict them to beat Georgia. I think Georgia's going to win the national championship. But no, that, no, Tennessee cannot beat Michigan. Not now. Uh, with Hooker, okay, I'll give him a puncher's chance. Definitely not with Joe Milton. Love you, Joe. You got the, the best arm I've ever seen from a college quarterback outside of Josh Allen. But nah, 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 nah. No, we ain't, we, we ain't, beat, we ain't beat Michigan. A couple years from now, maybe, but not yet. <laughs> Moving on to another story. This one kind of made me think, well, let's see. We got a comment here. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, Barry says, uh, ah, very soon. Oh, listen, I will... In all likelihood, lose my bet to you, Barry. New York accent's coming back. I'm, I'm already working on it. I, I have submitted to you. USC's going to win the Pac-12 championship game against Utah. I, I give up. Now, I'll be obviously overjoyed if, if Utah wins. And by the way, I like USC. Like I, The reason I bet Barry is I said they wouldn't make the college football playoff this year. But I still think Lincoln Riley is an amazing coach. I knew he was going to change the culture. I just didn't think it'd be this quick. So it shows you how great of a guy. Lincoln Riley's the coach of the year in college football this season. 
took a four and eight team to the college football playoff. That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> Barry says the bet, uh, the bet this year will be glorious. Yep. And it has been, it's been a great season for USC best team in the second best conference. That's that is good enough to get you into the college football playoff. By the way, strength of schedule. No joke. Considering the conference, considering they played Notre Dame. Uh, but I just think <laughs> you don't want that smoke in Georgia. Trust me. Trust me as a Tennessee fan. Trust me as a guy who tries to watch Georgia anytime that they're not playing uh, Samford. You, you don't want that smoke. I, I can promise you that right now. <laughs> John, John, uh, John, John, by the way, Notre Dame fan. So there's the USC-Notre Dame rivalry going on right now in the comments. He said uh, USC is overrated. Uh, and Barry says, yeah, overrated when we rolled Notre Dame. Yeah, they, they pretty much rolled Notre Dame. I'm not going to lie. I thought Notre Dame at least had a shot to win that one. That eh, game was over midway through the fourth. Pro props to Notre Dame for keeping a minute. Again, I really like Marcus Freeman. Uh, I think he's as good of a replacement to Brian Kelly as they could have possibly hoped for, but uh, nah, USC is on a different level. USC is on a different level than, uh, the, the, than uh, the Notre Dame fighting Irish are. I'm, so, I'm sorry to tell you that, John John. Now, we got a story from Jeff Howe of The Athletic. By the way, The Athletic, highly reliable news source when it comes to sports. You know, I mean, you got to get a subscription to read their articles. Like, it's, it's no joke. Jeff Howe, who, by the way, has covered the Patriots for over a decade, wrote, quote, he's talking about Tom Brady. Where's Tom Brady play next year? Because we all know for the most part, Thomas said verbatim he's not retiring this year. He's done in Tampa after this season. I, th I think by this point, I mean, there's a reason he was going to leave Tampa to go to Miami last offseason. So he's kind of gotten tired of sort of the loosey-goosey culture of the Buccaneers and uh, sort of the tumultuous situation in the front office. Like, he's done. he did what he came there to do. He won a Super Bowl. He'll obviously attempt to win another one there this year. I think regardless if he hoists the Lombardi Trophy or even if he were to somehow fail to miss the playoffs, he's done in Tampa Bay. So where would he play next year? Well, Jeff Howe, who covers the Patriots, said, quote, don't ever write off the Patriots. And he said the Patriots are slated to have more than $50 million in cap space in 2023 so they can again address their flaws, this time on the heels of a couple impressive draft classes. Brady and Bill Belichick have still have an abundance of respect for one another. They made points to say it publicly on multiple occasions since the QB departed for Tampa. They also spent 23 minutes together in the visiting locker room at Gillette Stadium following Brady's return in 2021, an appointment they'd set up prior to the game. Uh, first of all, that is absolutely true. Um, uh, I, I do think, listen, Tom and, and Bill are two highly successful, big personalities, big egos. And that took its toll after a while. I do think it, it, it hurt their relationship to a degree. But there's no question that both have the utmost respect for one another. I got to admit, I think this, I'd be genuinely shocked if Tom went back to Tampa. I'm sorry, Tom went back to New England. I'm not writing it off. But the very reason that Tom left New England, they haven't improved that in New England. You know what that is? Weapons. I mean, we talk about guys like, uh, oh shoot, what's the title? Hunter Henry. Okay, Jacoby Myers and, and Nelson Aguilar. Really? You think Tom wants to come back to that? Listen, the culture in Tampa is crazy, but he's got Mike Evans, and he's got Chris Godwin, 
and Julio Jones. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even joking right now. Julio today, despite, I mean, Julio's washed. He's got all, all these injuries. He's lost so much of his explosiveness. He's not the route runner he used to be. Today, he'd be the number one receiver on the New England Patriots. No question. You tell me you'd take Jacoby Myers over Julio Jones today. Absolutely not. So, the flaws, and again, part of the reason Brady left New England was so he could have more of a say, so he could have more power. Does he want to give that up? Because Belichick and, and Kraft will probably give Tom his say, but not as much as Tampa did. I'm just saying. And by the way, the Patriots have had two, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as Jeff Howell said, impressive draft class. They've had solid uh, draft classes. But the one position, you look at Belichick's history. This is now his 23rd season as the head coach of the New England Patriots. He has never once drafted a number one receiver in New England. He's never drafted a number one receiver. If you want to count Julian Edelman, I mean, I wouldn't. He's a slot guy. Was he Tom's best receiver for years? Yes, but I would not consider him a number one. I mean, you never put Julian Edelman on the outside unless you were throwing like a pass to him, and you know, like a double pass, backwards throw, because Edelman was a quarterback at Kent State, and some trick plays they'd run occasionally like they did in the playoffs against Baltimore years ago. It's just the flaws that New England has is the very reason Tom left, and they haven't improved. Matter of fact, I'd argue they've gotten worse. I mean, we can tr we can criticize Josh McDaniels for being a head coach, and I have. He's a decent offensive coordinator. He's not coming back to New England. Now they got a pencil guy, Matt Patricia, a defensive coordinator as their offensive coordinator. You think Tom really wants to come back to that? I'm just saying, there's a lot of options out there. There's a lot of teams that could really use a quarterback. I'm still not writing off the 49ers. Tom, uh, Tom grew up a 49ers fan. He was in attendance when Dwight Clark on the pass from Joe Montana made the catch in the NFC Championship game to beat the Dallas Cowboys in 1982. Tom was in attendance. He's a Bay Area kid. He grew up a Joe Montana fan, Niners fan. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent after the season. And if Jimmy, if the Niners got all this talent and they're healthy, but they lose because Jimmy couldn't outduel the other quarterback, they'll go after Tom. Because they passed the opportunity in 2020. Because they thought Tom was washed. You got a chance to do it now. Let's see. Uh, John John talking about the Buccaneers. He said they're going to get smoked in the playoffs. Really smoked? Well, I'll tell you this. Tampa Bay gets in. Because if Tampa gets in, it'll be as a division winner. Like they cannot. With their record right now, they're 5-6. and six, They can't get in as a wild card team. They'll face either Dallas or Philadelphia. Now. The question is, it's Brady versus Dak Prescott. It's Brady versus Jalen Hurts. Brady is declining. Like I said uh, three, four weeks ago on the show after they lost to the, the Ravens on a Thursday night game. I said, we're seeing the decline of Tom Brady. He's still great, but we're seeing the decline. But <laughs> we saw in that playoff game against the, uh, I'm sorry, John John was talking about USC. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. John John was talking about USC. In that case, I definitely agree with you, John John. I, 100%. Uh, but John John also says, who cares? Let's go Jets. And let's go Mike White. My goodness. Hey, congrats to that kid, okay? To come in. It's unbelievable. A guy who's a fifth-round pick a few years ago. But, but, but again, it just goes to show you, man, the little things can make a big difference. 
coachability, even, even something as small for a quarterback. And it should be the bare minimum. Every quarterback should, every great quarterback at least should have this, this, uh, this tangible trait, accuracy. Zach Wilson's not a very accurate passer. Mike White is. Mike White's going to be the guy for the rest of the season. Now, the question is, I think if Zach Wilson's even going to dress. Uh, <laughs> Barry says, young cheesy voice. Young cheesy voice, Mike White. And, of course, uh, John John loves that as well. No. Again, the question, like I said on Monday's show, the question is not if Mike White is going to be the starter for the rest of the year. He's starting the rest of the year. His one start this year is better than any of Zach Wilson starts this season. Even last season. Like, Zach had that good game against Tennessee. That was really it. The question now, Jets are probably are probably going to make the playoffs. Unless, unless they, you know, unless they wet the bed, they're going to make the playoffs. This, okay, they're seven and, well, they're seven and four, so they got six games left. These six games and a possible playoff game is Mike White's opportunity to audition to be the franchise quarterback for the New York Jets. Because I've discussed, because of the struggles of Zach Wilson, hey, Derek Carr's frustrated in Las Vegas. You could go get him. You could possibly, you'd have to give up a lot, but you could go get Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. If Mike White pans out the rest of the season, roll with him. He's cheap. He's coachable. The teammates like him. He has a good rapport with everybody. Robert Sala is going to do whatever it takes to make sure his job is intact. Yeah. Yeah, these last, again, that's why the game against Minnesota is so big. Not to mention, by the way, Minnesota's pass defense, I think, is like one of the like the set worst or second worst in the NFL. I mean, just for context, Minnesota's defense made Mac Jones look like a pro bowler. Mac Jones lit up that defense, had the best game of his NFL career. It's like, I think the Vikings are like 31st or 32nd ranked in pass defense. So Mike White should shred them. Uh, John Jones says Tom Brady coming. Well, that'd be interesting. Tom Brady's owned the Jets over the years. That'd be that'd be interesting. If Mike White doesn't pan out, I wouldn't rule it out. I would not rule out a, a possible Jets, uh, a, a possible uh, you know, signing with the Jets for Tom Brady. That'd be that would be interesting. Got got two number twelves leading you to a Super Bowl. Joe Namath all the way back in Super Bowl three. And then all coming back to, to 2023 at that point, it would be uh, another number 12, Tom Brady. Has, if number 12 has been retired by the New York Jets, which I assume it has been, would they would they let Tom wear 12? He might have to wear his college number, number 10. I don't know. He may have to. But the Jets got the Vikings, which that's a, that's, that's a big, big, big one. And the Vikings are three-point favorites at home. So yeah, that, that, that says everything you need to know in terms of it being a pick-em game. They got at the Bills. That's a tough one. But then he got Detroit. Jacksonville, who plays everybody close, at Seattle and at Miami. So there's some really, really tough games in there. Like I said on Monday, if the Jets win the games they should, Lions, they Jacksonville plays everybody close, but they're a better team today than Jacksonville. They win those games, and then if they could, so that'll give them to nine wins. Just win one of the games. Minnesota, Buffalo, Seattle, Miami, 10 wins. You're in the playoffs. By the way, the Jets still aren't dead for the division, by the way. They're only a game back. Of Miami and Buffalo. They're only a game back. I'm just throwing it out there. But I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see how, how it all plays out in terms of uh, whether or not Zach Wilson is that guy. Because we, we've seen this we've seen this movie before. And we saw it with Russell Wilson. We saw it with, to a much lesser degree, we saw it with Kurt Warner. I mean, I know there was a, a Mike Greenberg on, Mike Greenberg on ESPN did a really interesting uh, sort of study on his show. And it was talking about 
since QBR was instituted back in 2006. The QB, you guys hear me talk about QBR all the time. His QBR is 0 to 100. Since QBR was instituted in 2006, the top 15 quarterbacks in, in NFL history in QBR, the top 15, like 12 of them were first-round picks. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be successful. Uh, hello, Tom Brady. Hello, at least for a time, Russell Wilson. Hello, Dak Prescott, who, by the way, is that Dak Prescott is the eighth greatest QBR of all time. I'm just going to throw that out there. Eighth greatest QBR of all time, man. That is amazing. Anyways, but you can be successful in the league as a late-round pick if given the right situation to develop and eventually mature into being, dare I say it, a star in the NFL. That's what's great about this league. Talent comes from everywhere. How, how many great players have come from, uh, you know, Serial state. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. It's why the NFL is great. It's why this is the most watched league, uh, arguably in the world. I mean, you saw Germany filled up. So did London does every year. Mexico City. I'm just. I mean, listen. The NFL's king of television. What can I say? Uh, we've got a game tonight. It's a pretty big game. It's a divisional matchup. Uh, the New England Patriots and the the Buffalo Bills. Again, this is a. These two teams played three games. A year ago, okay, uh, you had New England winning in pretty much a a windstorm. It was crazy. It was like forty mile an hour winds. Mac Jones threw the ball all of three times. Okay, actually, he was supposed to only throw the ball ch- twice. Uh, he actually audibled into a run. He checked out of a pass into a run. Uh, Josh McDaniels actually got mad at him for throwing, which told me everything I needed to know, know about Mac Jones. And the Patriots won that game. I think it was like fourteen to 10, 14 to eleven. I think was the final score. And then Buffalo came back to New England in a game that basically decided the AFC East and beat the Patriots pretty badly. Josh Allen played great and was remarkable in the red zone. And the playoffs rolled around. Six seed Patriots went to three seed Bills. And I'll put it the way, this way, the Bills never punted. Okay, they won 47 to 17 in what was just a absolute beatdown of the Patriots. And Mac Jones didn't play terribly well either. Matter of fact, he was awful. But they come, they face again tonight. So here we go. So, Bills are favored right now in this game, minus four. Again, this is this is a very atypical Thursday night game because Thursday night games, you see a lot of fatigue comes into play. They end up being lower scoring games. Well, both these teams got a week off as opposed to a few days off. Usually you play on Sunday, and then if you play on Thursday, it's four days later. In this case, both these teams played a week ago today on Thanksgiving. Obviously, the Bills beat the the uh, Lions, and the Patriots fell to the Vikings. And so you get you got two teams with a week's rest. So we should get pretty good football tonight. Here's what I do know. Ever since Tom Brady left Bill Belichick, in five matchups, Bill Belichick is one and four. He got swept in 2020. He went 1-2 and two in 2021, and the one win was in 40-mile-an-hour wins. Okay? They built an early lead, and because the the elements were so crazy, it obviously affected the, the pass game for Josh Allen, you know, being able to hook up a step on Diggs and company. It became a huge issue. Belichick put on in, in that game a coaching clinic. Props to him. He's I don't think he's the greatest coach ever. I think that's Bill Walsh. But he's one of the greatest defensive coaches ever, if not the greatest defensive coach ever. But he's got a handful today. Tonight, really. Obviously got Josh Allen. We know he represents. He's been a little bit of slump lately. He needs to clean up the turnovers. He's first in the NFL right now in interceptions. Josh has got to clean that up. But this is a Patriots defense that, unlike years past, can be had. Okay? Ask the, the Bears. 
Ask the Vikings. This is a team that in recent weeks, in recent months, has given up a lot of points. And with the Buffalo offense that has Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis and company, Dawson Knox, I don't think the loss of Von Miller this week is going to be as big of a factor as it's going to be later on down the road. Bills just put him on IR. Obviously, that's a huge loss for them. But again, Davis White's back from injury, which is huge. He tore his ACL a year ago. Coming back, he's a star corner in this league. I don't think he'll have to be great considering how limited the Patriots are offensively in terms of their skill position group. But a Patriots offense put up 26 last week. Yeah, they did it against the, the arguably the worst pass defense in the National Football League. What's going to happen when you're playing a top 10 pass defense? Mac Jones. This will be another opportunity. Another instance where Mac will be asked to go throw for throw, toe to toe with Josh Allen. And he simply, folks, is not capable of doing it. If you are, Mac Jones definitely isn't. I think the Bills cover. I think they win this game to start week 13. A loaded week 13, by the way. 31-20. to 20. Most Thursday night games don't get into the 30s, even for the winning team. But because both these teams had a week in between their games, which is obviously normally the case Sunday to Sunday, I got Bills winning this game 31-20 to 20 over the New England Patriots. And to get to 9-3, and three, at least keep pace, give themselves at least a shot. They do own the tiebreaker, after all, against the Kansas City Chiefs, possibly for that number one seed in the AFC. Of course, we all know with the seven playoff teams, the number one seed is, high, is, is much more coveted now than it was when it was the sixth playoff team format because the two seed also got a first round bye. Now it's just the one seed. I'm telling you, these week 13 games, I'll, I'll go back through it again with some of these matchups. Jets, Vikings, Commanders, Giants, Titans, Eagles, Browns, Texans with Deshaun's return, Dolphins, Niners, Chiefs, Bengals, Cowboys, Colts, and then Saints, Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. We know, obviously, the Saints have had Tom Brady's number ever since he, he put on a Buccaneers uniform. Some good ones. Some good ones as we enter the month of December. Last month of 2022. It's going to be fun. And by the way, we got championship. Well, actually, championship uh, Saturday starts on Friday with a Pac-12 title game between Utah and USC. USC wins there in the college football playoff. TCU, do they have to win to get in? I think that all depends on the USC result. We know TCU gets Georgia. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I Listen, you might want to say your prayers for TCU if, should that matchup happen because that, that baby will be over quick. No disrespect to Max Duggan or, or anybody at TCU, but and by the way, they got a great receiver over there who's being a first-round pick. They cannot compete with the athletes of Georgia. And Kirby Smart's obviously one of the five best coaches in the sport. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. Again, a little bit of our early show. Uh, won't have this issue for the next month. Again, college schedule, finals week. You, you guys know how that goes. But I, I couldn't miss doing the show today, especially with all what's going on in the world of sports uh, and beyond. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live tomorrow, I promise, at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitter. Also, be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button to the Carving It Up podcast, as well as the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Network, where my show is. Uh, you heard Barry Grant Jr. earlier in the show. Uh, the All Even Podcast, Clutch Sports Talk, the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast, uh, Chaotic Sports Podcast, Rocket Fuel, Jets Podcast. Got amazing content over there with some amazing guys, some amazing content creators. So please be sure to go check that out. And subscribe to the Grid Network, which is also where you can find my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your podcast. Carving it up on the grid, wherever you get your podcast.
Be sure to check it out. All right. Have a great evening, everybody. I'll see y'all tomorrow. God bless you all. Peace out. TCU is not beating Georgia, and y'all know it. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.